Welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. My name is Carrie Wooten, and through this podcast, we're going to be speaking to people from across the media industry to learn about their education, their career paths, and their job roles. We'll discover what has motivated them and led them to undertake a career in the industry and what has kept them working within it. Where we can, we'll show as many links to organisations and individuals who can support and guide you through your journey into the media industry. We really hope you enjoy this series. today's guest on our morning television screens presenting on Lorraine on ITV. Rhea Hebden took her A-levels at Richmond College and then moved on to Brunel University where she studied film and television and American studies. She then started her career as a runner and moved on to be a junior publicist at Channel 4. Having then worked at companies such as Discovery and Walt Disney, Rhea then started to step into presenting roles. From presenting from the red carpet at the Screen Nation Awards through to radio shows such as BBC Radio London and hosting events for Cannes Lion, which is the International Festival of Creativity, Rhea's career has continued to soar. Rhea is also the founder and presenter of Wonder Women TV, which I can't wait to hear more about today too. Rhea, welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Hi, lovely to see you today. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. So on this podcast, Ria, we like to start at the beginning and uh, find out what you were like as a child so we can kind of understand what your hobbies were, whether you, what you were like at school. So so why don't we do that with, with you as well? So so what were you like as a, as a young person? I love that. And what a brilliant way to start. So when I was younger, I was very active. I loved sport. Um, I played rugby actually, I played rugby, I loved netball, I loved athletics, so very physical, Um, but I also loved telling stories. I always remember I would get to the school early and the first thing I would do is find my friends and I'd say, oh girls, did you watch this show last night on TV? And I'd tell them, you know, all the ins and outs of the characters and the storyline and They'd always kind of go away going, oh, I need to watch that. So yeah. at a very early age, clearly, I was really into TV and film. Yeah, amazing. And do you think at that at that young age, do you think you were aware of the media industry as a job, as a career? Or was it just about the passion for storytelling at that age, do you think? I don't think I was aware of the career prospects. I definitely knew from being as young as six years old, actually, that I wanted to be a presenter. Ah, did you? Oh, yeah, I remember. I grew up in Yorkshire. I was in in West Yorkshire till I was about 10. And I'll never forget my grandma actually taking me to the Bradford Museum of Photography, which is still there today. Mm. And um, at the time, it had like a makeshift TV studio inside it. And I remember sitting in this presenter's chair with the the lights and the cameras facing me, you know, as young as six years old. And knowing, oh, I quite like it here. <laughs> That's amazing, really, did yeah. you? Oh, my goodness. And I always wonder, actually, had that not existed, would I be doing something completely different? Yeah, because that's quite a young age to then recognise that you like that as well and that you like that kind of environment and that this might be a place for you. How yeah, extraordinary. Very at home, yeah. Yeah. I really remember that, feeling very comfortable and, oh, I quite like this. Yeah, and then and then and then did that continue? Obviously, through your childhood, do you think the kind of the presenting. Well, I think 
shocking. It was more an interest in television. I really yeah. loved watching TV. And I re- it's funny, I reflect on memories of growing up. And I remember being at um, secondary school and my technology teacher saying, God, you know, Ria, if, if you could find a job where you're just talking for a living, you'll do really well. <laughs> I hope Mr. Hall's listening to this now. <laughs> because you have and you do it brilliantly. <laughs> so I do. I really think, you know, if you are really passionate about something and really interested in watching TV and films and you really enjoy it, don't ever let anybody kind of talk you out of that because there really are so many different jobs in this industry that you could pursue. Yeah. And who knows, talking might be your superpower. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes, particularly with talking, I think it can be seen as a negative thing. And actually I'm like, no, then we need to harness this. There's lots of different roles in many different industries where talking is really critical and that communication skill is is vital. So I think, yeah, absolutely, it needs to be harnessed. So what were you like academically then? I, I really, um, I loved performing arts. Yeah. I was really good at drama. And I remember um, really loving all the school plays. And I remember one of my best friends went to the Brit school and I actually didn't know much about it. And I, I remember feeling really disappointed to find out about the Brit school a bit too late and I really remember thinking god if I'd known about that I would have absolutely auditioned for that because that's right up my street yeah I I do think you know we have to do better at researching the opportunities that are out there because Mm. I missed out on that opportunity and I think I would have really enjoyed it yeah Um, but I I am studied uh drama English language I've always liked writing and um, writing stories and, and reading books um, but I've, I've always been really interested in people so I was I studied um, history and RE I really liked religious studies because I liked learning about the different faiths around the world and why people chose a particular faith over another I'm not particularly religious myself I don't follow one particular faith but I've always found that really interesting in yeah. how people cling to faith in times of you know especially in difficult times yeah um but again that kind of sociology you know that's people isn't it an interest in in the way society's structured and yeah how we work as a society so yeah always interested in people and i think that and also just the way that people function as well their personalities and as you say how we cling to things in those times and needs again i find religion really fascinating as well for the, for the same reasons so so when you're doing your gcse's do, you obviously were doing drama, so that kind of performing element was still there. And then you went on to do A levels. Yeah. Did and what um, and what um, what were you choosing at that point? So at Richmond College, I chose performing arts, okay. uh, sociology, English language. Was there another one? I think it was those. Oh, a media. Oh my god. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, that key sector that I (laughs) Just a tiny detail. (laughs) I really loved studying media at college because I had a really cool uh, lecturer called Jason. Because you remember when you go to college, it all gets a bit cool. It's not anymore. It's like first names. And I remember this guy called Jason was really, really cool and trendy. And I remember thinking oh there's like jobs in media right okay and and that's when I started to really learn about program making and storytelling and Uh that kind of fed an interest into wanting to be um, a producer okay so I I was really kind of looking at how you tell a story and how you, you 
frame all of that and put it together. And so I kind of left college thinking, oh, maybe I'll go to university and and study being like a TV producer. That uh, was okay, my okay. first thought. Yeah. Um, and then I decided because not many people know that I'm actually half American. So my my dad is African American, uh-huh. Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, okay. So I was really interested in learning about. American history, American politics, just my roots, really. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go to Brunel and do a joint degree in film and television, but also American studies. Okay. And I found a really cool course where I could kind of straddle both. And, and nice. so I went and did that. Yeah. Brilliant. Amazing and brilliant to be able to combine those interests okay. as well. Yeah. yeah. It was like a real mix of uh, theory, not so much production. We did one module where we worked as a team to kind of put something together. And I realized then I definitely don't want to shoot. I definitely don't want to edit, <laughs> like being the ideas and, and pulling the kind of framework together of how we tell the story. Yeah. Um, weirdly, I, I actually had to take a day off um, work to graduate because I started working at Talkback Thames before I'd even finished university. Amazing. So you were already starting to kind of carve your way into the industry by that point. And I think that point about knowing what you don't want to do as much as what you do want to do and experimenting with that a bit is the beauty of university, isn't it? Because it allows you the the time and the space to be able to do that and to understand, yeah, exactly that, exactly that, the, what you don't like as much as what you you do and where you might want to go a bit and focus in on, on a bit more totally and I suppose a good thing about uni is that you really have got that space to kind of dabble with a course and if you don't like it you can change I mean I stayed on course with what I wanted to do but I know a lot of people change subjects and there's no harm in doing that because you're mm-hmm. just figuring life out aren't you and, yeah. and that's okay and it's funny because I got invited back to Brunel recently to host um some graduates awards yeah and that was really nice to do that to kind of go back and say do you know what it's okay to not have it all panned out um but know that the people that you're sat with here could well become your network and, yeah. and your colleagues in the industry you know if you choose to pursue it and that's yeah. a really cool thing yeah and how lovely to go back and, and to do that and spread that message yeah. so you were obviously starting to enter the industry then while you were at university so that it sounds to me you were like firmly focused on this was going to be your your path the media industry was going to be where your well, career was going to be it's an interesting point because actually I really benefited from getting my foot in the door because one of my best friends who didn't go to my university uh, she knew someone that worked in the industry and she told me that they were looking for runners and um, so she kind of gave me a kind of heads up to apply uh, to talk about tens uh, on Newman Street and so I, I sent a CV and I went in for an interview and kind of talked through like my ambitions and goals and stuff, not really knowing that that was such a privilege to be able to even interview for somewhere like that. Because yeah. at the time, Talkback was this really cool, you know, creative, energetic company where all under one roof, you had the writers of some of the biggest shows on TV, comedy and Britain's Got Talent, all of that there, and um, The X Factor. You have the execs that managed the shows. You had the publicists that managed the promotion of the shows. And you had, at the time, the talent uh, agency that managed the presenters. Oh, wow. So it was a really cool insight into how you make a TV programme from scratch, how you shoot it, how you publicise it, all of that 
all on, under one roof. So a real privilege and, and not one that you often get nowadays because of how businesses are structured differently. Mm. And um, yeah, I started working there as, as an office runner and I absolutely loved it. I mean, it was the best mm. job ever. Yeah, and as you say, it's, I think that's really rare to have that all in-house under one roof. And yeah, what an amazing in, yeah, insights and education you must have got from understanding how all of this function together. And we were just saying before we started recording, this, that there's such a breadth of roles in the industry that actually then to be able to see that functioning as one whole and one whole cohesive to kind of lead to one kind of output of a programme is, is uh-huh. really special. Yeah, because, you know, I got there thinking I want to be a TV producer and then, you know, I met researchers and was like, oh, okay, well, that's what I kind of did at, at uni. So can't we just skip that role because we've already done it for three years? <laughs> like, absolutely not. You start at the bottom like everybody else. <laughs> fine. Um, but, you know, following different producers, seeing how they put stories together and shape the programme, that was really interesting. But I always knew I didn't want to shoot. I didn't want to edit. Um, so it was a good way to see the different roles that were available. And I always remember being really intrigued by publicity. I love the idea that the team worked with the talent to promote the show, as well as the concept of the show or the theme or a social issue that they were addressing or whatever. I, I loved that because that was how I was able to bring in kind of my English language and, and literature loves yeah and th- and that's where you started to move on to wasn't it after your running role you started to go into the publicity side as a kind yeah. of the next steps in your career yeah so I, I was a production runner for a year I then moved over to Stephen Street at Fremantle and worked on the X Factor which was amazing experience I didn't get the production role on that because I couldn't drive okay. which at the time for me was a real barrier to entry and I'm really proud to see now that you know if you're an aspiring person that wants to work on a show like that not being able to drive won't hold you back and Mm. screen skills I should mention this because I think it's fantastic they actually pay for people to do their driving uh, lessons and tests if that's something that financially holds you back so I think that's brilliant that we've you know we've moved on from that we're not holding future generations back yeah Um, but then after that I was a a researcher I was a junior researcher on a production for Channel 4 called the Indian Finishing School where we sent ungrateful Brits off to India to learn all these different skills and to really kind of appreciate where they came from that was that was interesting but um yeah I I kind of I, I knew that I didn't want to go down that production making route anymore so I went traveling around the world Ah, amazing. Amazing thing to do. And I really encourage young people to do that while they're young and don't have babies and financial responsibilities. Oh God, how long were you traveling for? I went for 10 months with my (gasps) best friend from uni. Oh wow. To India, Singapore, Thailand, Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, and LA. Wow. All for a thousand pounds, Carrie. Oh my God. Yeah. You definitely can't do that now. That is a, a bargain. And what an extraordinary thing to be able to do as well, to be able to go and experience the world and bring all of that, you know, knowledge and insight and experience to to any all of your future roles as well. That I mean Well, and I'm glad you see the benefit of that, because at the time people in telly were like, Don't do it. You'll have to start all over again when you come back. 
And I was like, why? The experience that I had isn't going to disappear. And the experience I'll get from traveling will give me more life skills, which now I appreciate people value, thank God. But at the time they didn't. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I came back and I I really thought about what I wanted to do. And I knew that because the contracts in TV tend to be quite short, you know, three to six months at a time. And at the time I was financially supporting myself in London. I knew it was really high risk to go back into that because it is quite unstable. So marrying my love for writing and and also understanding, hang on, there are other roles in this industry, you know, and Mm -hmm. you can use the skills that you've got in a different way. I um I got a job at Channel 4 as a junior publicist and that was a brilliant opportunity to still be in TV but yeah. in a different part of it where you were using the skills that you've got but also doing what you loved and that was you know talking about telly and the people that are part of it and, and what, I love that and what does that mean like on a day-to-day basis a kind of a junior publicist is that were you talking to the, like, seeing the talent week and week? What, and you said you were, you were kind of using the English language. Were you, you were writing articles? Like, what did that yeah. actually mean practically? So super exciting because you're in this busy press office. You know, you sat on a bank of tables with other publicists and we were all split into different genres. So I was in comedy and entertainment. Okay. And I absolutely love that. And what they have is this amazing database where you can literally type in the title of any Channel 4 show and it will come up. So for me, I was like, you know, every lunch break, <laughs> every single lunch break, binge watching, a, you know, an old series of something that I absolutely love because it's just, <laughs> Well, it was, a, it was a free Netflix, basically, at the time. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> in any year, any name of a, a, a presenter and the shows would come up because the archive was endless. And it was just a brilliant, brilliant job. And so basically you would be tasked every day. You'd, you know, you'd be speaking to different journalists, pitching uh, a show that you'd be working on. You'd have no financial budget whatsoever, which I think is a brilliant thing because that really tests you to be creative mm-hmm. with how you sell a program and a story and an idea to a journalist to get them to write about it. You know, that's what differentiates publicity from, say, marketing and advertising. They pay for those placed advertisements, whereas with publicity, that's about you nurturing a relationship with a journalist and really selling that program or that presenter or that concept to them to encourage them and persuade them to write about it. So I think having no budget actually makes you think more creatively. Yeah. And I loved it. Yes, it sounds incredible. So then when did you start to think about presenting again and kind of going into that what how and how did you navigate that going from a publicist where there is obviously a a huge career trajectory because you could have stayed in in that particular field of the industry how did you then navigate going and moving over to presenting what did that what did that transition look like for you so Carrie it was (laughs) at channel four when of course they had t4 yeah I was sat there and I'll never forget it. They were advertising a competition to find the next new presenter for T4. And I sat there and I was like, oh my God, that sounds so exciting. I want to do that. Okay. And you had to film like a short 60 second video saying why you'd be the next great presenter. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is just so exciting. I've got to apply for this. <laughs> But then feeling really conflicted because I was like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to apply for this because, you know, is is that telling my current employer that I don't want to do my job anymore? (laughs) Yeah, that's tricky. (laughs) Yeah, 
<laughs> you've got to grab these opportunities when they come up, especially if they excite you. And so I went on holiday uh, to Italy and I remember with my boyfriend, I got him to film me on the patio doing this video of like why I should be the next T4 presenter. And you had to put it online and people had to vote for you. And I remember loads of people started to vote for me and that's when it got really exciting but then I remember having to go and have a meeting with somebody at the channel who said we're really sorry even though you've got all this support because your staff you're not <gasps> actually allowed to apply for it oh no yeah <laughs> and I was I honestly was so gutted because I remember them really feeling like oh you really want to do this though yeah you really want to do this and you now can't do this because you're here. And it's so been that, taken away from you. Yeah. Oh. So that actually gave me a proper nudge to, to think more, you know, strategically about what do I really want to do, actually? Because while I love this job in publicity, yeah. you know, you're exercising your English language muscles and you love using all your people skills and knowledge of how you make a program, but you're not getting that kind of icing on the cake by asking the questions yourself or talking to the talent yourself because you know the journalist is doing that mm -hmm. so maybe you need to start doing the work to position you as a presenter so that did give me a kick up the bum to start shooting my own showreel and really mm -hmm. thinking about okay what's your next move yeah oh god what an extraordinary story and I think also the, what's interesting about that is that had you also not been in that job at Channel 4 as a junior publicist you wouldn't maybe have seen the advert and then you wouldn't have gone through that process and had to kick up the bum and all of those things that might not have happened it's that sliding door thing isn't it that actually it all yeah. happens for a reason and, yeah. and also the, you know the key learning from this is that everything that you've ever done in all of your previous jobs even though it might not be related to what you really want to do all of that is not for nothing it's all worth value and all of it contributes to eventually where you want to be so yeah. don't ever think you know if you're listening and you're in a job that you know you don't want to be in long term remember that what you're doing and the skills that you're using every day in that job will still be of value to the job that you eventually want to go on and do yeah, totally couldn't agree more. And also what strikes me about that situation for you is just the resilience that you had as well, because that must have felt absolutely devastating and your heart had been ripped out because you could see the possibilities of what might be. So then to then talk yourself around and go, right, okay, I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to do this. That's There's quite a lot of strength of character there to, to go after your dream, essentially. Yeah, and it's funny because I remember one of my friends who worked in the in the edit suite and I remember going to speak to him because I was really upset about it because obviously it wasn't just like putting yourself out there publicly. It was also the positive response from all of your friends and family and strangers who'd been voting for you that you then had to say, oh, I've had to like dip out. I can't do it. So, so that made me think, no, you must keep doing that. I remember speaking to one of my friends and he said to me, Rhea, you can't let this stop you because you've got a fire in your belly and, and you're just going to make it happen anyway. Yeah. And he was absolutely right. I think, you know, you know in yourself if you've got that. Um, and even if you don't have that, you know, if you feel a strong drive or excitement about something, really listen to that because that's your instinct telling you that it's meant for you. So you've got to pursue it. Yeah. And just that, you know, listening to where your passions are and what your feelings are around certain things, that's 
if your heart is there, then actually that's the thing to go after, isn't it? A million percent. So then, so what was your first official presenting job? Where Can you remember that? So, right. So, so after that happened, what I did was... For, for the financial stability, I stayed in publicity. I went on to okay. Discovery Channel and I took on a more Emmy role there, which was brilliant. And that was a good job because that kind of showed me really how to perfect your communication in speaking to people in different markets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so that was good. And then I left there and went to uh, Disney and I headed up uh, publicity for live entertainment, which which was an amazing job. I loved that. But the whole time while I was doing my day-to-day job, I was building up my showreel on the side by going to live events, filming on the red carpet, interviewing people at different event spaces to get experience and to practice my craft. Amazing. And then and then, what happens when you start to get noticed? Do, do agents approach you in terms of being represented or do you approach them? How does that bit of the industry work for presenters? Because obviously most presenters do have agents. And so how does that work? And... And then how do you get booked for official gigs? How how does that all kind of slot together? It's a bit chicken and egg because what you want to do is kind of have a couple of agencies on your, you know, on your kind of hit list who you'd love to represent you. Yeah. But then crucially, you kind of need to look at their roster and make sure that they don't already represent somebody that's similar to you okay. because you want to be able to offer something different. Because if you go to an agent where they have someone similar to you, you might be knocking heads for the same kind of gigs. Um, I was quite lucky where I actually made it on screen independently without having an agent, even though the whole industry told me it was impossible. I got myself (laughs) on telly without one. So it can be done, folks. (laughs) I love that. Amazing. (laughs) It can be done. Um, But it it is good if you've got a couple of agencies in mind. And I definitely met with, agents before I got my current one um but that you know the the timing wasn't always right and so what I would do is it I'd recommend people to kind of create an excel spreadsheet of everybody who you'd love to represent you try and meet them for a coffee and and you know tell them all the great things about you and why you'd love for them to represent you um and just keep in touch with them and what I did was I anytime I do something big like I remember I got a big presenting gig um doing the red carpet at the Screen Nation Awards and I managed to interview Idris Elba and you know knowing Idris is huge and you know he this is just after he'd been cast in Thor so I I then took that little interview to ITV and took it to different commissioners and they were like this is kind of amazing that you got yourself into that event and you also got time with Idris Elba because you actually got some really juicy stuff for him that shows that you're a bright girl so things like that logging it all in your Excel spreadsheet and keeping a a kind of tab on who you've spoken to when was the last time you spoke to them and then just reconnecting with them whenever you do something big or exciting because you know everyone's very busy in this industry so you don't just want to be chasing people when there's nothing to say you yeah. want to reconnect when you've got an update with what you've done recently and and what happens is naturally people kind of track your career progression over time mm-hmm. which is why I'd really encourage you to share your successes on platforms like LinkedIn because that's global you know don't forget there's a big old world out there so if producers and commissioners aren't looking at you here in the UK there are lots of other people around the world that are looking at you too 
Yeah, I think that's really, really good advice. And I've got to ask, so how did you get into Screen Nation? What? How did you do that? <laughs> oh, so this is really funny. So I met a girl at, um, her name was Michelle. I met her at an event and we just got talking about what we want to do. And she was like, oh, I really want to set up my own kind of like website where I showcase different industry events. Um, and I was like, well, I really need to kind of big up bulk up my um, presenter showreel so I'm looking to film at events so why don't I film at events for you if you can get me access I'll get a cameraman and then I'll go and film content for your site amazing she, like deal so she got me the access to the Screen Nation Awards I got a cameraman we shot the stuff and edited it and then gave her the content so I would encourage everyone to collaborate with other creatives and be really open about what you're looking for and what you need and, and then see if you can share skills or contacts or equipment. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good advice. So how did you make the decision to leave your publicist role and kind of move on to presenting full time? Because that must have been quite a decision to make going, actually, this is this is working now. I can do this. I can do this full time. Yeah. I, well, there was definitely a moment at Disney. I had been there three years and I remember we just moved uh, offices internally and I was sat down in my new seat and I just remember thinking, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> and there's someone out there in the world that would love this job because it's such a brilliant company. I had loads of amazing friends and we worked on really cool projects. And I, I really sat there thinking, you could stay here and for the next five years, you know, become the VP of something, but that's not what you want to do. And all this time, all these amazing people that you've worked with and all these cool companies, like you're not taking the leap to do what you really want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I just decided, you know what, Rhea, rather than sitting here writing five-year strategies for Disney Princess, I'm going <laughs> to leave and write a strategy for Rhea Hepton. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Write yeah. a strategy for yourself. That's so Definitely. that's such a great idea. I don't we don't think about that though, do we? We don't. We don't think about our careers like that. We just don't. We're so focused on delivering if you if you're in a paid position in a PAY PAYE position to deliver for the job and for the company that actually you don't think about your personal development in that way. I love that. No, and, and the thing is, you know, I do think when you work for somebody else you know, it gives you the financial stability and security that you need for whatever stage you're in at your life. But at the same time, if you're not really pursuing the thing that lights you up, you know, you don't want to look back on your life and have regrets. You really don't. You literally live once. You've got to squeeze the pips out of life. And, you know, I, for a, a lot of people in my family, you know, they were really worried about me when I decided to leave that job because at the time I was a mother, I had a young son, he was four. Yeah. And, you know, it was a very stable, secure thing. It was really well paid. I had loads of benefits and, and all of that. And so it was very high risk to leave when there's no guarantee that it would turn out to be successful, right? Yeah. Which is why I made a promise to myself I'm going to make this work because I can't step away from this and risk all of that. 
if I, you know, and it fails. So I, I made a, a kind of commitment to myself that I was going to absolutely make it work. And I remember going home and for like a month writing a whole strategy. And, and I remember sticking these huge pieces of paper all over my living room wall. I mean, my husband was, I thought I'd lost my mind. <laughs> but it really worked because doing that work on yourself and spending that time really focusing on, right, okay, what are the shows I really want to present? Who are the people that make those shows? Who are the production companies that make those shows? Schedule meetings with them, connect with them, build your website, put your showreel on it, get some high-res photos on there, write your bio, meet with people, start repositioning yourself as a presenter. You're no longer rear the publicist, you're rear the presenter, and then start those conversations going. And that's exactly what I did. And then work started to trickle in. And I'll never forget going into ITV and meeting Asif Subairi, who used to be a commissioner for entertainment. And the MOBO Awards were coming up. And I remember saying to him, you know, the MOBOs are so amazing. They're the um, Music of Black Origin Awards. And I was like, but so much buzz and excitement happens on the red carpet. And viewers at home never see that because they're just watching the main show. Yeah. Is there a way that I could go down and film the red carpet and we put that on ITV socials or something? And he said, Rhea, we have got a whole floor of marketing people who are paid to think of ideas. <laughs> And he said, not one of them has come in and suggested that. And he said, for that, I will give you a crew. And next week, you will be on that red carpet. And I, I really... Amazing. Wow. You know, <laughs> create your own opportunities. Yeah. Oh, God, there's so many... That's such yeah, such a good story. I think the, the bit about just writing down what you need to do. Somebody once said to me that if you want to kind of change direction a bit, it's like a ruler and you need to just like think about where you want to get to and then like one one centimetre by one centimetre you change. And, and that's exactly what you were doing by writing all of that out on your walls. And then the other thing there is just, as you've, you've, you've said, grabbing the opportunities and being bold enough to go why you know what about this because the worst they can say is no right they can just go no actually we, we don't want to do that it doesn't fit or whatever but actually look at what then it could do like just the possibilities of asking and the possibility of yes the answer being yes and absolutely that's it looking at what shows you already love and enjoy and looking at what's missing what could make them better what could lift it what have people not thought about that you think oh that would be so great if they did that because people can tell if you watch the stuff that they make and they love it when you you know they can tell that you really enjoy it but yeah. they also love it when you've considered how they could make it better yeah people don't take offense to that they actually really welcome it so i would really encourage people to go and reach out to the people that inspire them but go ready with lots of ideas and suggestions because you could end up working with them yeah and and as your story showed they won't have, they necessarily have thought of those ideas either you you've got a different perspective a different point of view a different life experience and so you will be coming at it completely differently so yeah come armed with ideas love that <laughs> Um, so really, the other thing I really wanted to talk to you today about was Wonder Women TV. Um, I'd love, could you, well, first of all, could you explain what Wonder Women TV is and, and why you set it up? Yes. So Wonder Women TV is a women's network uh, that brings diverse women together, particularly from underrepresented groups who work in TV from across the country. That They're more at mid-senior level, but we would never 
you know, discourage young people because you're a, you will eventually be a, a senior woman in TV. So we do encourage everyone. But we basically run a series of live events. We hold uh, Wonder Women Live on International Women's Day every year where women come together and they hear from some of the leaders in our industry. We also have a podcast called Wonder Women TV where I interview um, an individual senior leader about her job in the industry and how she's overcome various challenges. Mm -hmm. And most recently, we now run a year-long mentoring program that supports 50 women that work in television with a, a year-long mentor and there's different masterclasses that they attend every month. And I'm really proud of that. It's been nominated for a National Diversity Award twice. Amazing. And we a, thank you. And we always have a graduation at the end where we bring all of the mentors, mentees and the coaches together. And I, I love that. That's when you really feel like you're actually making a really positive impact to people's careers. Yeah, it's extraordinary thing and a really important thing to do as well. Uh, and I think mentoring is something we should kind of maybe mention a bit more because as you said, it the power that it has to transform people's lives, I think is is extraordinary. I've, I've seen it through some work that I've done and, and obviously you have with Wonder Women TV. And I think... Something else I would encourage people to do as well is to find, you find mentors in all areas of your life. You find them in your, your friends, your family, but finding a professional mentor, whatever stage of your career, career you're at, I think it's just transformational sometimes, isn't it? It's just the, the confidence that it gives you, the network it can provide you. I just think, I think having mentors can be so powerful. It's huge. And I think also just having someone that's a bit more experienced and knowledgeable of the industry who can be a sounding board and a confidant just to guide you through maybe your thoughts on your next career move or maybe some challenges that you're coming up against. It can be a game changer. Um, I, I've definitely had different mentors through um, the jobs that I've had throughout my career. Um, and But when I was freelance, obviously you, you lose that. So there are different organisations Women in Film and TV run a mentoring program as well. Um, but I actually found my current mentor by reaching out to her on LinkedIn. So you do to do that. Yeah, you do. There's a running theme here, uh, where you're going, you're, you're asking, but that's the whole point, isn't it? I think people want to help as well. I think that's one of the brilliant things about our industry is that generally people want to help. They want to encourage and support. And and I love that. I love that you did that. And yeah. Great that they responded positively as well. well. Well, that's it. I think, you know, like you said before, most people want to help. It's just if they have the time. And I think people are quite open and honest about if it's not a good time. It, you know, it's never a no-no. A, a it's just not right now if, mm. if you get that. But most people will make the time. I mean, what is it? An hour of your time once a month. That's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so Ria, what, what's next for you in your career? Continuing to present? Have you got... Are, are we going to see that you? I can share. Yeah, you can share, yeah, that you're not under any NDAs for. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I would really love to present my own series next because I've I've obviously I've co-presented series, but I'm yet to, to, to front my own show. So that's my next focus. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was really, really like pinch me moment, chuffed to film uh, at the King's Coronation for Good Morning America. I loved that. What and an so, experience. Um, yeah, you know, I really wish my grandparents were alive to have seen that actually, because they were real royalists. And I think they'd have been really chuffed 
stuffed, you know, little girl from from Yorkshire sitting outside Buckingham Palace on Good yeah. Morning America. Yeah, what an extraordinary thing. I that know. must have been so special. I know. So I, I would really like to do some more with them because especially being half American and having my American passport. And like I was saying before, you know, think global. There's lots of opportunities, not just in the UK, but all around the world. Um, but yeah, also just growing Wonder Women, you know, I, I find that really rewarding, purposeful work, making a difference to our industry, elevating women and, you know, making people see that they can be anything that they want to be, even with families and caring responsibilities, you know, it's possible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just carrying on with that. Amazing, amazing. Well, look, before we wrap up, Ria, I've just um, got a couple more questions for you. And the first one is, so what advice would you give to people looking to get into the industry, specifically if they're interested in presenting? Because it, it's obviously a hard role to get into. So what what other tips and advice would you have for people looking for that particular role? So for aspiring presenters, I would say do not be put off by the competition at all. Just focus on yourself and be authentic be yourself don't don't try to be like anybody else that's currently on screen be yourself film as much of yourself as you can so that people can see what you're like interacting with people and and also just get loads of experience so that you get a feel for you know if you prefer doing live events or maybe you prefer sitting down and talking one-to-one -to, -one to, uh, to somebody um and I would encourage filming a show reel so you've got something to show people when you meet with them uh reach out to the production companies that make the shows that you love and would love to be on one day and yeah. see if you can get a coffee with one of the producers yeah, perfect. And then finally, could you could you tell me what you love about this industry? What keeps you so excited and um and happy to be part of to be part of the media industry? Oh, so much. I absolutely love working in television just because you have this amazing opportunity every time to work with the most creative people in the industry. You know, I, I love the idea that we all play one small part in a bigger kind of machine in creating something that's either going to entertain someone or inspire someone or inform someone. I, I think playing that role um, is, is such a privilege. And when you see someone in the street and they come up to you and they say, oh, I watched that and I absolutely loved you on that. It's so rewarding because you realise it actually touches people's lives and, and makes them feel good. And yeah. we get paid to do it. It's <laughs> the best job in the world. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. You've heard it here. It's the best job in the world. <laughs> uh, Ria, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And good luck with all of your next presenting adventures. And I look forward to the series, obviously. And, and and Wonder Women TV as well. It's been really lovely chatting to you today. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Carrie. Really enjoyed myself.